Now I'd like to introduce today's program. Our educational theme for this year, for the luncheon program, has been managing change. And any discussion of change management certainly has to uh, take into account what we're talking about today, which is benchmarking. I believe it was Jack Welsh from GE who said, you can't manage what you can't measure. And our panel today will talk about um, providing insight into how to create meaningful metrics that can measure the performance of the organization. More importantly, I think they're going to get into the, the idea of why these measurements are important, uh, the necessity to communicate them effectively to stakeholders both inside and outside of the organization. Our panelists today uh, come from very diverse backgrounds but share a, a great deal of experience on the issue of, of benchmarking. Uh, Bob Bovey is joining us from the private sector. He's with uh, Motorola here in Chicago. David Hood joins us from the GSA. He's the Assistant Regional Administrator for the Public Services, uh, Public Building Services, which is the real estate arm of the GSA. And our moderator today is Keith Persky. Keith is Vice President and Principal of Group 5 Consulting in Austin, Texas. Uh, prior to joining uh, Group 5, he spent nine years with Sun Microsystems. Uh, just started with Group 5 about a year ago. At Sun, he was responsible for all real estate systems and network solutions. He's a founder and serves as the executive, on the executive committee of the Open Standards Consortium for Real Estate, also known as OSCAR, which is a, a topic we'll talk a little bit about today. Uh, prior to uh, Sun Microsystems, he was vice president at HOK Architects, where he managed the Los Angeles consulting uh, practice. And prior to that, he was the vice president for campus strategy and corporate interiors at Home Savings of America, which is now uh, part of Washington Mutual. Keith has published uh, numerous articles on uh, technology and real estate and is a member of the uh, uh, core curriculum faculty for Cornet Global. And he is a party to several patents for real estate systems and holds a degree in urban and regional planning from uh, California State Polytechnic University in uh, Pomona, California. So I'd like to welcome our panelists to the stage and uh, appreciate your attention. There. Uh, that actually works really well. Hi, I'm Keith Persky. Um, thanks very much, Brian, for that introduction. That was great. Um, keep eating. We'll, we'll be banging through this, and uh, I'll, I'll talk about what we're going to cover. And first, I want to do a little bit more of the introductions for uh, Bob and David. Um, I'll, I'll start with Bob. Bob's been at Motorola for 33 years, which is just nuts. Um, he... he <laughs> I mean, it's just impressive that these folks have been at these places for so long. Um, Bob um, has served a variety of roles, uh, mostly in the finance department, and the last eight years he's been leading real estate strategy. And like another local, um, Barack Obama, he never wears a tie, so that's, that's pretty important and official. Um, David, uh, and, and he's straight out of Schaumburg, so he's a local guy here. Um, David Hood has been with the GSA for 36 years. So both these guys have been there for over 30 years. Before that, he was in junior high. Um, <laughs> he's, uh, that's from the Nixon administration. So he's survived seven different administrations. He's currently responsible for uh, public building services operations throughout the six-state uh, Great Lakes region, uh, which includes 139 GSA-owned buildings and about 20 million square feet. So we're 
fortunate to have these two gentlemen to speak about uh, benchmarking. Let me talk about how we're going to talk about this today. First of all, I'm going to discuss uh, five or ten minutes to kind of frame the discussion about benchmarking and information and data and knowledge. Uh, then we're going to talk about uh, how benchmarking is done at Motorola and the GSA. Uh, what works, what doesn't work, some of the challenges. And then um, I'm going to come back and talk a little bit about the Open Standards Consortium for Real Estate uh, because it does have some relevancy in terms of some of the challenges that we're facing uh, with benchmark. And then at the end, we're going to leave uh, 10, 15, 20 minutes available for discussion, uh, questions from the floor. So get your questions ready, and we'll be talking about that kind of stuff. I think to start this conversation, it kind of goes in line with some of the things that you guys have been talking about over the last several months, about leadership and does, uh, disaster emergency preparedness and things like that. In the end, it's about having the right information, the right data. And data is king for a lot of what we do in corporate real estate. It's, the, it's how we manage things. It's how we improve things. It's how we hold discussions. It's how we convince people to do things. Um, it's, it's how we establish our credibility in, our, in the organizations that we serve and how we stay at the table when decisions are made. And of course, comparing it with our peers and with others in the industry helps provide context that can drive action. Um, so in the end, good, rich data that's analyzed and presented properly can really change <coughs> things. But there's barriers to having data. First of all, it just takes a lot of time to have the right data in place. But here's, here's places where it's difficult. Um, maintaining accuracy, keeping it available and always timely, uh, being able to report on it frequently, and down at the bottom, I'm going to talk about funding. You know, how do you even fund a program that keeps data available to you so that you can get all the strengths that you can from it? So I put together this spreadsheet that you're not going to read. But it <laughs> I am going to hit a couple of things, um, just kind of defining what, what each of those issues, the barriers are, what has happened in the past, and kind of what's been going on uh, here uh, currently. So there's some trends that are making this easier. So for instance, accuracy, data accuracy. It's a function of having common definitions, timely availability of data, and having someone responsible for keeping it accurate. I mean, that's what keeps, that's what accuracy programs are about. In the past, we've had few standard definitions, so that made accuracy difficult. Um, and there were a few processes that ensured accuracy. But now, with SOCs and other regulatory things, we're having a, a, a need to certify accuracy of some of our data. So the trends are really driving toward more accurate data using common definitions. Another barrier is this idea about comparing. This is benchmarking. Um, having common definitions and having all the data that you require so that you can compare it with your peers is key. In the past, we've had different definitions, and we didn't know what was included in it. In, in the different cost structures. But now there's, we're getting better definitions, and I'll speak about Oscar in a little bit, but there's still a lot of room to get better at this. So the next one is just about funding. How do you just, it's really a function of justifying spending money on keeping your data accurate, keeping your data available. And that's a difficult thing to do, and in the past there's been few programs for establishing funding to, to make this happen. It's been difficult to argue that having the right data is really uh, a cost-effective thing to do. But many groups are getting much better now about building good strategic business plans that say we need to have particular systems in place, particular talents in place to keep our data accurate 
so that we can keep a seat at the table. So, one last barrier I want to talk about is uh, about systems and tools. And what has happened in the past, and, and I'm talking about lease administration systems and occupancy tracking systems and uh, transaction systems, things that we all use most of the time to maintain and manage portfolios. Um, lack of common definitions, again, a real problem. Uh, difficult integration between tools so that there was dueling databases and tools didn't talk to each other. Um, we had uh, limited access from anywhere, so the whole portal technology has been uh, implemented over the past three or four years, I'd say, that has really enhanced this, but being able to get data out of systems has always been a problem. And then reporting has been difficult, confusing, took a really uh, brainy person to even get the right stuff out of your system. But this is changing. All of those things I mentioned are getting healed by software developers and by people who are working in the standards realm to make that those systems talk to each other and work better. So in the end, having accurate data that's dependable, that's available in a simple way and globally, and that has context around it so that you can understand it, is really what makes data king. And what we're going to talk about now for the rest of the conversation is the context bit. Once you have data, how does it compare and contrast with peers and with other places so that you can really get a handle on what that's about? Motorola one is This is Bob Bovey from Motorola. Great, Keith, thanks. And thanks for pointing out to everybody that I don't have a tie on. <laughs> You'll get used to it. <laughs> Um, I am from Motorola, and as I think all of you know, Motorola has had a long-standing history in the Chicagoland area. Um, our company was founded uh, downtown here on Augusta Boulevard, and um, dating back to the uh, to the late 1920s. Today, uh, we're mostly in the suburbs. We have um, three campuses. Uh, I'll start with our Schaumburg campus, which is our headquarters. It's two and a half million feet of space on 300 acres uh, out in Schaumburg that houses uh, about 7,000 people. And um, then if you go a little bit further north to Arlington Heights, uh, a million square feet that houses uh, 4,000 people, a little over 4,000 people. And then yet further north in Libertyville, another million to million two square feet approximately that has about 5,300 people. So 16,000 people, part of the Motorola family here in the the greater Chicagoland area. And just recently, last year, we opened up a downtown mobility office with about 250 or 60 unassigned seats uh, at a mobility center that more than anything was to accommodate the 12 or 1300 Motorola people that live downtown. Uh, but up until we opened our downtown office as a mobility center, made the trek out to the suburbs every day to, to go to work. So. It's been hugely successful. It's completely unassigned and um, uh, is a kind of a, another alternative for people to come to Motorola to work uh, that live downtown or if you happen to be down here to visit a customer or have a meeting um, or to do something like I'm doing today. It's, a, it's at 233 North Michigan and it's, it's just great space. So um, 
what you see here is um, just a little bit of a flavor of what we got going on around the world. Um, lower left is our uh, soon to open new Beijing campus um, on the Fifth Ring Road outside of Beijing. It's uh, just about 600,000 square feet. That's going to be home to more than 5,000 uh, Motorola associates. Uh, lower, lower right is our Basingstoke UK office that uh, is just over 100,000 square feet, and this facility actually accommodates over 1,200 people. So if you do the math on those kinds of things, and as we talk about benchmarking, one of the things that's very important to us is the efficiency of our space and how well our space is utilized. And if you do the math on those two places, not only are they beautif beautifully crafted and, and buildings that we're very proud of, state-of-the-art technology, design, and all that, but they're really, really efficient. I mean, we are putting a lot of people in there, and um, so the return on our dollar invested in real estate, in terms of the productivity that those people can have in that space, it's, it's phenomenal. So um, you go to the next slide. I only have four slides because I wanted to get as as quickly to the Q&A as we possibly can. Um, here's some of the fundamentals around why we benchmark and what we benchmark, okay? First of all, we gotta be focused on the numbers. I'm a finance guy by trade, uh, although I've had more fun in real estate than I ever had in finance, so um, go figure, right? But we look at the metrics, you know, not all, and the most, absolute most compelling kinds of metrics that are important to us is the cost of our portfolio, and then related to the cost, what is the efficiency of that, of that portfolio? So we talk to as many companies as we can, as whose attention we can get to try to share information around what is your portfolio costing you as it compares to the size of your company and lots of metrics around that, okay? You'll see other things as far as headcount ratios, you know, the, the, cost, the cost of the portfolio per person, per square foot, all those kinds of things. We also, right in the middle there, you, we track and benchmark other companies in just the sheer number of locations that they have, because that is a very telling metric that says just, just how many points of presence around the world do you have, and relative to what your company does and the size of your company, is it the right number or is it too many or too few? Just in the sheer number of sites, okay? Space Solutions is in the middle here, and we like to talk to other companies about what, what are you doing with space, okay? Um, it's something that really intrigues me because in this area is where I can really maximize the efficiency of our portfolio way far beyond just taking the space we have and how efficiently can we operate in that space. But when we really get into right-sizing the size of the portfolio, putting more people in the same space, all those things, that, that's where the real benefit is to be derived. Okay, and then finally, uh, organizational strategies is really important to us is in terms of talking to other companies. How are you structured? Uh, are, you, are you centralized? Uh, what kind of a regional structure do you have? Who do you have in the regions versus at headquarters? All those kinds of things are very important to us to understand how other companies run their real estate and manage their real estate portfolio around the world so that we can compare what we do to, to what they do. I'm going to give you just a couple examples of uh, some of the things we benchmark, um, and then I'm going to turn it over to David. So next slide. Um, I mentioned number of sites is very important to us. This is a simple bar chart that shows over the years the number of Motorola locations around the world. Okay, you can see the trend. 
uh, in a downward path because if you go back to the year 2000, we had way, way too many sites around the world. In 2000, we had each of our individual businesses, it was five at the time, managing their own site selection, managing their own portfolios, and we weren't really very centralized at all. And that's what the result can be. So we drove that down. And then beginning of year 07, you'll see that in the beginning of year 07, we, we actually had a, a handful of acquisitions, which we do every year. That brought a bunch of sites into the portfolio, which by the end of the year, will have taken a big chunk out, about 80 sites or so, out of that new, bigger portfolio because we'll have had the opportunity to integrate these new companies, close sites that are redundant, and really integrate the portfolios. But you'll see in the upper right is the point of the slide. We like to ask other companies, how many sites do you have around the world? And then we like to see how it compares to ourselves. Okay, point of benchmark, very important to us. Next slide. Operating costs. I already mentioned it's, it's, there's nothing more important to me than the cost of our portfolio. So we track that. Our all-in cost uh, for the year 07 is going to be about a half a billion dollars. It's about 1% of our sales. And then we track that as a percent of sales to as many other companies as we can talk to, which is the benchmark uh, box to the lower left. Okay? Um, and I think that's it, right? So as we get into the Q&A, um, I hope I'll get an opportunity to tell you why we do these kinds of things. Why, you know, what are the reasons? We don't just do it to do it. I mean, there's got to be a reason behind why we benchmark, and there are some very good ones. And I think during the course of the Q&A, we'll get into that. So, but for now, David? So much noise. Did I put the mic in an okay place and can you hear me? Uh, by way of introduction, the General Services Administration's Public Building Service is not directly supported by your tax dollars, although we are a public agency. We operate as a business because all of the space that we own or lease on behalf of other federal agencies is charged back to those agencies at a market rent rate. And in addition, we manage our business by collecting revenues by selling services to our client federal agencies. Out of our $8 billion in revenue, about $7 billion comes from our rent operations, and about a billion comes from other services that we sell. So as a business, we really represent a, a, an anomaly, publicly owned, not traded or privately held, not allowed actually to make what is a profit, although we retain proceeds for reinvestment, but we're technically controlled, so we must be not for profit. Trying to look at a metaphor for who we are as we try to decide how we manage our business is therefore a challenge, because in many ways we're a REIT, we're an owner of assets, real estate assets, they're really your assets, so in the technical sense, we're the holding agency for those assets held in title to the United States. We are also a fee developer, and we're a service provider to our client base. But as we merge these together, we have a tendency to think of ourselves as sort of a super CRE to the government. Now, our clients actually have their own corporate real estate departments, too, in varying ways. But we don't exercise all the authorities that a corporate real estate entity might, or a corporation like this, the type of responsibilities and authorities that Bob may have. 
so we would have clients who are also Bob's, but then on behalf of the president and the government overall, we're doing that corporate real estate work. That creates a challenge then in terms of also saying, well, what are we going to measure in our business? So next slide, please, Brian. I'm going to set the discussion of benchmarking in terms of the overall context of the performance metrics that we look at. The first set of metrics we look at are the satisfaction of our customers. Our customers being other public agencies, and our mission is to support them in actually doing their public mission. Our mission is to support their mission. We, for that purpose, we survey all the occupants of our space, and that means on a three-year cycle, we survey a million actual occupants of our, of our buildings, the people who are sitting at the desk doing the public work. We also continually survey the people with whom we're involved in specific transactions, and then as a third level of survey, we survey our client executives, the, ex the, the Bob Bovies of our customers, to find out how they view uh, whether the work we are doing for them is really helping to support their overall mission objectives. But we also have portfolio to manage. So if we expand to the next slide just a bit, I'll show you a little more detail. We track our vacant space at all times, as a, like, like a REIT, of course, would. We look at our funds from operations, like a REIT. It's an important measure, since we are self-funded, must generate our own capital. We look at the percentage of our individual assets that are generating a satisfactory FFO and a return on investment. And we look at our reduction in energy cons uh, consumption constantly in terms of our portfolio performance. Because we're a fee developer, we're also constantly looking at our project execution, our, our major projects, really large projects, on schedule and on budget. And with respect to our smaller capital investments and support of customer transactions, are we expending the money that is budgeted to us by our headquarters against our project plans? Socioeconomically, we have high responsibilities, as you can imagine, in this uh, area. It varies to some extent by administration but we are continually tracked by all administrations about how much of our money is going to small, minority, and disadvantaged firms. The operational area, our operational efficiency, is the one that we benchmark the most. That is, incorporate what I would call the direct operating principle of benchmarking most in setting our metrics. So if we go to the next slide, Bob, I'll talk, uh, Brian, I'll talk more. Why do we do this? Well, the absolutely first reason is, of course, we have a stakeholder. Our, st our principal stakeholder is the Office of Management and Budget, which is a part of the White House administration operations. They oversee all agency operations for budgeting purposes and for performance management. So they require this of, it, but of us. In addition, however, we have a limited and partial method of performance compensation to our employees and managers. My salary can go up and it can go down. I can get a bonus, I may not get a bonus. That must be set around something that is objective so these performance metrics shape and define how it is that we provide incentives to our people and to some extent affect their pay. We also look at it from the standpoint of management controls, both from an audit standpoint, or you know, due diligence standpoint, but in addition, unless you know where you are, how do you know where you're going, that, that thing. So this is important from an operating standpoint. And then finally, we're looking at this as a way of evaluating our specific portfolio decisions. Buildings we can operate efficiently or inefficiently, et cetera, determine what we retain and what we acquire. Go on, Brian. Now, the, in the benchmarking area, the first area that we uh, spend our time benchmarking is the cost of our lease space. 
of our nationwide inventory of 347 million square feet of space, about 50% of that is leased. So we're doing lease transactions all the time, and the question is, how efficiently are we spending our customers' money, and in turn, your money, in acquiring lease space? So we look at the cost of our leases individually, of course, per transaction, but in aggregate as a performance measure in terms of how it compares to the midpoint of the asking price in the markets in which we do business. The goal that we have currently is 8.75% below that midpoint average, and we are moving in a direction where by 2010, our target that we are required to achieve is 9.5% below that midpoint average, Brian. Our actual results are seen across four fiscal years with the current year-to-date 2007 on the right. The red is indicating the, the aggregate market average. The gray bar is indicating our current percentage below. So far this year, we're doing 12.5% below the market average in our transaction. Since it is only a year-to-date number, it may not be that good at the end of the year. The results from 06 through 04 more realistically show that while we beat the market, it is a challenge year by year to make those transactions come out in that fashion. Right? Now, the, the challenges in this specific area for us are that we do business in so many different markets. I'm doing business up in War Road, Minnesota at the same time that I'm doing business in downtown Chicago. So how do you get the data to do your benchmarking for this? We turn first to SIOR, but that gives us data only in major markets. We will rely heavily upon CoStar for more detailed examination of billings, but only in major markets. We will turn to LoopNet when we can't use those sources. In some cases where we do enough business in a minor market to make the cost worthwhile, we'll develop independent appraisals to set our benchmark. And then in a fifth case, we look at anything we can find in a particular area to establish the notion of what that market is that we're comparing ourselves against. There's also the problem that while the industry has made some strides, as Keith was saying, towards, towards standardizing what they mean by a particular number, these sources all tend to point toward different numbers in any particular community where you can look at the same community through different sources, which raises questions about the base, of course, the data they're using, definitions of shell and base rent, their treatment of utilities, the way in which the amortization of TI is being included in rent, we look at our all-in costs as we make our uh, comparisons. However, we also have some special factors that we have to deal with. Our tenants have a lot of security requirements. Not all, not social security, but all of our law enforcement and security type client agencies do. And so we adjust our rents, and that has to be documented. There's due diligence in the review of that by independent parties for the TI cost of those special security features. And in addition, we don't benchmark that portion of our inventory, which represents warehouse and laboratory and special purpose space like border stations, because there is, for us, it's a less significant part of our business total volume, and it's harder to find that market data. And we also take a look at benchmarking our operating costs. And our definition of operating costs for this purpose means the actual cost of operating our buildings. It's exclusive of our leasing costs. We do that benchmarking against our own inventory. That is that the numbers are computed for the owned inventory. We sometimes take on operating responsibilities in our lease buildings, but because the contractual arrangements can vary so much, there's no way to particularly standardize that, so we don't uh, track as a metric the cost of operations in our lease space. 
we do in our own inventory, that 50% of our inventory that is owned. And the methodology that we use is to try to compare ourselves to BOMA data, wherever that is available, in their experience exchange report. But the problem is that it is not available everywhere, as you well know. So therefore, since we're doing business across communities where there is no BOMA chapter, where people are not reporting BOMA data, then we go through statistical manipulations to predict rates. So we do regressions. We use an independent consultant uh, for this purpose to regress the BOMA data each year and to project on the basis of either labor rates in communities, cost for cleaning and maintenance, or using electric rates as a base number to project the market cost of utilities in all markets. And then we compare ourselves against those computed benchmarks. Our goal currently is to be 3% below the market cost for operations. Interestingly enough, our goal used to be uh, to be uh, beyond 12% below market, but we made a business decision with OMB that it was not helpful to the long-term maintenance of our inventory to try to operate at that cost efficiency because it was neglecting preventive maintenance of our building. So there's been a policy adjustment to bring us where the target is now 3% against market, right? Now for, as I said, there are three, or maybe I didn't say, we, we break this benchmarking into three categories. Our janitorial cost, our maintenance cost, and our utility cost on these properties. Now again, we do have to exclude certain portions of our inventory. Highly special purpose buildings have no direct market comparison. So therefore, we don't do any benchmarking of those particular costs. We do track energy utilization, for instance. We do manage that cost. We do look at its impact upon the FFO for that property, but we don't bring it into our statistical benchmark. And then we also have to deal with certain anomalies. Since we are a developer, when we're completely emptying or substantially emptying a building for purposes of a major renovation, for instance, we exclude that building from the benchmarking in any given year. Now, the overall results against uh, the same four years that we're talking about, the red bar again represents the market data, the gray blue bar represents our actual data. Consistently, we stay below these market averages on a national basis, not in every building, in every situation, but on an aggregate basis. And currently, our aggregate operating costs, for purposes of reference, are about five and a half dollars a square foot nationwide. There's no meaning of local market for nationwide data. Now, if you break it down, however, into the individual component parts, the picture is less clear. What this confusing slide is really trying to say, it's again looking across a four-year period. The colors separate, in the case of the gray-blue, in this case it's representing uh, cleaning costs, the yellow is representing maintenance costs, and the red bars are representing utility costs. And in each pair of bars, the left is the government cost, the right is the market cost, I believe, yes. In all cases, we tend to be somewhat below, but not perfectly below. If you look closely, I'll try to do the Vanna White kind of thing here. In the area in 2006 and 2007, the gray-blue representing cleaning costs, if you can see it from where you are in the room, our costs are actually exceeding market costs. Why is that so? Well, it's a business challenge for us. We don't want it to be so. But in the cleaning area, we can only clean our buildings in basically two different ways. One is uh, contracting with handicapped workshops to provide the cleaning of our building. The other is to contract with small disadvantaged businesses. This is an area where we have a great challenge in being competitive. In mechanical operations of our buildings, and maintenance operations of our, of our buildings, we do okay, 
but we've always found it hard to be substantially better than the market in this particular area. And as I say, we've made a policy change to not want to be much better than the market because we fear it under-represents the PM in our buildings. Where we have our biggest advantage is in utility costs because of aggregate buying power, special deals that we make in deregulated markets for purposes of utility consumption. Now the challenges here, well, it's that BOMA Experience Exchange Report data, fundamentally. It's really good data, very interesting, but it's in limited markets. By the time we see it, it's a year old. We're continuing to use it fully for a year after that, so it's becoming dated. A lot of buildings don't report, and one of the more troubling difficulties for us is the, the, the sample is continually changing. Only about half of the buildings continue to stay in the experience exchange report from year to year, so there's a huge churn of buildings that are reporting into that data set. So it is perhaps not really the most reliable source data to start with if you're looking for a perfect statistical or benchmark universe. With respect to utility costs, because of all the fluctuations that you can have seasonally and otherwise in the market on utilities, when you're dealing with that data, which is already a year old and you're using it for another year, it really tends to become worn. And then finally, while we use for statistical purposes a regression analysis, it has only been a linear regression. We've done modeling of other ways to do this, but we've never found a statistical modeling technique that has shown itself to be adequately reliable to extend that data from that uh, BOMA base, uh, larger and medium-sized buildings in major markets, to extend that across our inventory, which can be so geographically scattered into a variety of markets. So it's a very imperfect methodology, but it had been the best we could do. But we're thinking about making some changes, and we're in the process of thinking about these and have not decided where we're going to go. But the next slide, if you would, Brian. What we're considering is since we appraise uh, we do so much work with appraisals and use them for so many different purposes, and our methodology for doing appraisals is always to have an independent market estimate of operating costs. We've been thinking about using that manual database of information in order to set uh, our targets in particular communities. The second option is to take a look at using adjustment for time of the BOMA data against general uh, economic uh, uh, data for market escalation rates, that's a third. And one that is probably attracting the most attention right now is to benchmark our own space cost of operations against what our lessors report to be their cost of operations in the leased space. Because all of our leases require our lessors to identify to us their operating costs. So we have a wealth of data from that source that we've never used for this purpose. It, all these sources have their own problems, but this the kind of detailed challenge that we get into when we try to establish a meaningful metric for this purpose. Brian? So that is a summation of the way in which we try to manage the performance of our inventory and our operations and try to rely upon benchmarking and some of the challenges that we face. Thank you. Oh, we're not done. The last time I gave this presentation, somebody came up and gave me some feedback, and they said, I liked everything about it except for the end. And I said, well, what didn't you like about the end? They said, well, it was too far from the beginning. So we're not going to do that. We're going to make this better. So you can hit the very first slide. It's going to go back, back, back. Oh, you got a ways to go. Backwards, all the way to the very start. So 
I wanted to talk about OSCAR, the Open Standards Consortium for Real Estate. And I am going to make this go quickly, so I'll skip over a couple of slides so we can get to the discussion quicker. Let me define this. First of all, OSCAR is one of the most important things that's going on in this industry right now. And I mean that. What OSCAR is, is an, is an attempt to standardize the language that we use globally to talk about real estate. We now live in a world where an address in one market might be different in another market, believe it or not. And, they, and the systems that use them com, com, uh, collide when we try to leverage data between markets. Even the definitions for square footages are different between BOMA and IFMA. And so we're in, a, in, a, in the process of trying to be the UN of standards globally to create standards for everything that we talk about in the real estate industry. And I'll talk about that as I go through this. Standards are defined in two ways. One is a definition of a word. So what is a square foot? And so that we can have discussions and not have to spend the first 10 minutes defining terms. The second piece of the standard is to make those terms as pieces of data wrapped in little pieces of code so they go from system to system to system. So as you enter the address in your transaction system, you don't have to re-enter it into your property management system, your lease administration system, your occupancy tracking system, all the systems downstream, it actually leverages throughout all the systems of, or pardon me, of tools that are OSCAR compliant. OSCAR is a nonprofit organization. Uh, what's created is a free standard that can be downloaded from our website and used by software developers and we're, we're getting many corporates using it as they work with their partners. Next slide. So here's where the friction is. Regulatory agencies have trouble talking with architects, who have trouble talking with uh, fiduciary groups, who have trouble talking with operators and owners, uh, because we're using different words. Oscar tries to, you go one more. Oscar tries to create some, some consistency so that as People use these same words and same uh, system, uh, pieces of data in their systems. The friction is removed from the process. That's the ideal, right? So um, it improves the quality and reliability of data, which is one thing that we kind of touched on briefly with the benchmarking discussion. Uh, but it also helps all of us when we're trying to benchmark with each other about mail costs. Like, okay, what are mail costs? Well, I use the Oscar definition for mail done. See, that's, that's what we want to have happen. Um, helps us transfer information quickly, make, makes processes work more smoothly, makes workflows work. Right? Um, it, it started at IDRC and, and part of Cornet, and then got spun out of Cornet because we realized we needed to be able to engage IFMA and BOMA and all the other. Uh, membership organizations, professional organizations that were beyond Cornet. Cornet fully supported that and they still fully support Oscar. Um, it's uh, sponsored by uh, many different firms. I'll show you some of their names as we get up there. But they have uh, within their portfolios over 12.3 billion square feet. The GSA is a, is a member of Oscar. Uh, the Department of Defense is a member of Oscar. Two huge owners of property. Right. Um, we have a board of directors. Um, let me see. I think the things I'd like to point out are the third guy down is the head of BOMA. They're involved. The fourth guy down is from NAR, National Association of Realtors, million members. Um, uh, major uh, uh, 
service providers, CBRE, Cushman, JLL, um, and then Realcom is involved as well. Uh, uh, Jim Young, who sponsors that conference every year, is, is really the center of the universe for technology and real estate. Here's some of our members, executive members, and then we have associate members. Uh, this is just a, a small cross-section of folks that are participating in Oscar. Um, basically, there are silos of data, real estate data, appraisal data, legal data, architectural data, and we need to have a common way to move this data around. Here's a list of pieces of data, go ahead, Brian, that are common to every one of those processes. If we just got standards for those pieces of data, we would smooth this industry tremendously. Um, and OSCAR is designed to try and do that. We, it's a global organization. Uh, we have a sister uh, organization in the UK called Pisces, which is, who has been doing this for about as long as we have. Uh, they have the backing of the UK government, so many of their standards are now law, and they use them within all transactions in the UK, and they're moving into uh, Europe, and we're building traction in Australia, New Zealand, and Asia right now. So this is our global organization. Right? We, we create standards through a work group uh, process, and basically what that is is a standard set of steps around a kind of standard that we want to build. So for instance, the top one, the commercial information exchange, is a, a work group that has just completed its work and has introduced standards in February uh, around the kind of data that's used for commercial information exchanges through uh, selling and buying commercial properties. Um, and this, this process is a very strict process that includes a lot of review. Um, these work groups are uh, made up of, of volunteer members uh, that are sponsored by uh, large corporations that I showed you uh, earlier. And as they work, that group actually worked for almost 18 months uh, trying to get that thing together, and it's a volunteer group, and so we really owe them a debt of gratitude. Um, they have now delivered that standard. The other, these are other work groups that are in process, and uh, you can see that they're all kind of moving toward doing releases of standards throughout this calendar year. The Commercial Information Exchange standard right, was really about this idea that there's data that kind of builds up on itself. A seller has a description of a building, who gives it to a broker who adds some stuff to it, who gets it onto a listing service, who adds a bunch of other stuff to it. So by the time the buyer gets it, there's a lot of complexity, potentially, in that whole thing. Um, we had, uh, who are the listing services that you mentioned, David? Um, like uh, well, LoopNet was one right. for an actual listing service. We relied on Siler and uh, CoStar data. CoStar. Yeah. CoStar and LoopNet participated in this process so that we would be able to use those in the commercial information exchanges, which of which there are over 300 in this country. You know, you think of LoopNet and CoStar, but the truth is they're very regional and they have definitions that are regionally based, which is, I didn't know. We're now making those national. These are, these are pieces of data that are used now and are now, now standardized. Um, lease type, lease rate, space type. They all seem, I mean, we're familiar with them, right? We use them all the time. But these are now common, and that makes a big difference. There's one more slide. So out of these two slides, there's 120, I'm sorry, 160 data elements that we've standardized, right? Another group is working on space types 
and an ability to figure out how we can have a common way of rolling up data. Uh, there's a roll-up by organization, which can be customized by your organization. But once you agree on that with your partner, you're able to do it throughout your company. Uh, rolled up by geography, site, state, city, that kind of stuff. Trying to build a, a, a common language there. And then rolled up by space classification. And that gets a little complex, but it's kind of like room, floor, building, campus, that kind of thing. So that, that group will be releasing their standard this fall. Uh, the DOD is working on a project with us for a unique property identifier. And this is uh, the idea that every property that is in their portfolio has a single number. And they have a bunch of different groups within the DOD. And as they try and roll up information, they can't do it. They have a lot of manual, uh, manual work in that. And the goal here is almost a big brother thing. But it's kind of like having a single social security number for every building in the country. That way, you like, like a VIN number for a car. So you can now go back and you can figure out the history of your car, regardless of the owner, or where it was registered, or who financed it, or the state that it was in. You'll be able to understand what's going on with the car. The same thing with, the, with buildings. That over the history of the building, regardless of ownership, you'll have a sense of a common string of data for that building because there's a single unique property identifier. So the DOD is our pilot project for this. You know, it's, it's like a barcode for a building or a social security number for a building, right? And so um, their goal is within the next year to roll this out in the DOD. And we'll use the learnings from that to roll into other projects. So in the end, the value proposition for Oscar is, as I've touched on, common discussion. And right there at the top, an ability to do internal and external benchmarking more easily. Um, an ability to smooth processes, to build partnerships better, to actually change software as you need to, because sometimes software is not doing what you need it to do, but you're completely tied into it because changing it would cost you so much money to get the next group in. So if they're both Oscar compliant, it's actually a switch out that, that works that much easier. We're not going to take all the friction out of this thing, but where there's friction that's related to data definitions and the misunderstandings that come around, because of that, we're going to get most of that out. That's the Oscar story. With that, then, I would like to start our open discussion about benchmarking and standards as we need to. And what I'd like to do with you guys is I'm going to start with one question. And that is, uh, with the benchmarking that you guys both do, how has that driven decisions or initiatives or made you change ideas about direction in your company? So I'll start, start with you, Bob. It helps us focus, uh, first of all, in terms of one of the most compelling reasons we benchmark. It's, it's all about efficiency. We, uh, I would much rather find a proven solution or a best practice within another company and borrow it or steal it than I, than I would rather invest the time and energy to come up with it on our own. So benchmarking lets you do that. And most companies, the vast majority of companies, are more than willing to have that kind of a Exchange. So, so it helps us be focused and efficient on where to in inside where do we need to pour our energies into uh, identifying those pieces of our operation that that need improvement. If we haven't found a best practice outside through benchmarking, then we know we got work to do to come up with our own. David, you touched on it a bit, but do you have any specific initiatives that 
management. Uh, you guys, we did a lot of benchmarking around the whole idea of workplace mobility, um, how to move an organization from each per each person having their own assigned space to the concept of shared space solutions, and and that paid dividends in terms of taking a lot of collective information as to what we learned from other companies, not using any one of them exactly, but kind of kind of forming our own Motorola approach to workplace mobility. I can think of two things since my focus had been for the purposes of presentation on specific metric kind of data instead of best practices kind of data. Uh, with respect to our uh, janitorial costs, custodial costs, I mentioned that we had a problem in the in that area that we didn't compare all that well to the market. And since our, again we only had two clientele to provide service providers to do that, individual small businesses or collectively the community of handicapped workshops, uh, the, that workshop community is represented by a national organization. So we just developed a strategic partnership with that national organization to assist us in working with the individual workshops to try to move our cost closer toward market levels. That's, that's one response. The second response is in the utility cost area. As we began to see the power of aggregating our energy bonds, we have begun to move our energy and utility purchases from local contracts to national contracts as a result of being able to do that comparison. Do you do your do you do your organization belong to particular benchmarking groups or do you benchmark as you need to? Start. I I really leverage the heck out of Cornet yeah. as a networking community to to engage in benchmarking. You know. Right. I think you know, Keith, we're, Motorola is a, a member of Cornet's, both their research council and their learning council, and I leverage the heck out of that. And of course, the General Services Administration tries to participate in all of the industry trade associations and groups. It's really done more from the standpoint of perspective you're asking from our national headquarters perspective than it is from a regional operating perspective. Our individual people participate in these groups. But our relationships for purposes of benchmarking and other practices come from the policy and research that we do. Good. Well, let me open this to the floor. Are there any questions out there that you'd like to ask our panel or our speakers? Yes, ma'am. It was a there was a lot of compelling arguments that said we had moved our entire presence to the suburbs, and but yet across a variety of different venues, we always had a lot of people downtown for whatever reason. Not only do a lot of people within the Motorola family live down here, but we were always down here in either individually or in groups to, to do things, to conduct business, yet we had no presence downtown for people to when they're when you're done with your meeting a place to duck in to spend the rest of the day or even a couple hours to get some work done so hugely compelling arguments that we got to do something and we wanted to do it in a way that it was not just another place where we assigned space to people we kept it unassigned and shared yep absolutely great other questions
actually, I'm not aware that we keep a metric around that cost, although it is a good cost of quality number to keep, but I think it is none that I have ever seen, and no one organization has done that. Let's say the cost is very substantial, though, when I think of the number of people who are involved, including a lot of my employees and clients who are part of this. Yeah, we keep, we keep the, especially the stuff around metrics related to benchmarking, we keep it simple. Um, there are a, a handful of very important metrics to me, but to me, the cost is as simple as, you know, my travel or my phone call and my time or the people on my team that are doing it, which is, you know, we, we manage that, but um, I really don't make any attempt to try to track actual cost of benchmarking because I don't care. It's, it's just too important. When, when I was at Sun, just to answer that question, I was responsible for the benchmarking program there as well. Um, it, after we got the definitions figured out among all of our group, which took a while to get there, um, it took us about a day a year to pull all the information together. So it wasn't terrible, but mostly because we had built the systems to have it, cranked the numbers out as, as we went. Yes. Let me repeat that question. The question was, are you considering doing any green facilities? And if so, are you benchmarking that? See if that gives you any, any information. Our EHS organization right now uh, is in a pretty in-depth study of that exact question and what is the cost of it, what's, what is the payback, the return, and all that. Um, and a lot of the, for a company like Motorola, um, in all the communities that we have a presence, the, a lot of the payback is an intangible. I mean, it's, you know, it's our image in the community and things like that, and it's, which is very important to us. But um, I think I'm maybe, we're maybe a month or two away from our EHS team coming back to us to, to spend a half a day on studying what are the implications of that. So the short answer is we're very interested in it. Have we actually set off on a, on a path? Not yet. Our organization, our headquarters, participates in, for instance, Green Building Council and all the you know relevant societies. So again, the policy people are constantly involved in that activity. From an operating perspective, the commitment to sustainability and greenness and all development is pretty profound. We look at LEED certification as being a minimum requirement for all of our development and generally charging for the use of the facility on our finished products. Uh, we, I just came from our strategic uh, plan conference for this fiscal year. One of the things that was agreed was that sustainability was going to be an even larger component of next year's strategic plan. So if, to the extent the question goes toward metrics and numbers, quantification, not, not much other than tracking BTU consumption per square foot. Uh, after that, no other metrics that we have yet developed as a strong policy.
we have a very, very robust rigor around uh, customer satisfaction feedback in spaces like that where we have shifted a lot of the workforce to an unassigned solution. We need to hear their feedback on productivity, um, you know, ease of moving around, their their satisfaction with especially the shared spaces in that facility. Are you know are they are they working for them, et cetera? By the way, we do that not only at the the uh, the subordinate level, but also at the middle and upper management levels. We so we it's through you know objective customer satisfaction feedback that we that's what we rely on most. And we do a well, as I said, we do a hundred percent occupancy survey in a three-year cycle, so one third of the occupants in our buildings, and, and that survey is very very detailed for the perception of the individual occupant of the individual desk, how the space is supporting the productivity needs, including things we don't provide that the bosses provide for them. So it's feedback also to customer needs. Because that data is very accurate, uh, aggregate, uh, I'm not certain that it provides a precise tool to target uh, effectiveness and efficiency in operations. But our newest policies and programs that we're developing in workspace, currently called Workplace 2020 and Workplace Matters, is really focusing upon some very detailed, intensive pre-surveys and post-surveys of both perceptions of the occupants, perceptions of the managers, and some objective observational data in the space before and after the invest in IT. Yeah, we we so run into that all the time. That, we, by the way, the everybody hear that question. You want to repeat it, Keith? Yeah, basically, you're asking if there was a peer who was not really forthcoming with or, or willing to share information for competitive reasons, right? Good. Yeah. Um, we run into that a lot with our competitors, I, and obviously, benchmarking information from competitors is the most important to us, right? Mm -hmm. It's also the hardest to get, and we recognize that going in. Doesn't it? doesn't make us shy away from asking and trying to engage. We, we like I said earlier, we try to leverage our, our um, shared membership in associations like Cornet as kind of a way in. But, but we get, you know, with competitors, we get told no as often as we get cooperation. So we're, like the, we're, the, we're the same way, by the way. I mean, with certain types of data. I'd like to add something to that as well. With, with the Sun Microsystems experience, uh, we had decided that our competitive advantage wasn't our real estate. You know, we competed. We competed on a different level. You know, in our products and services and things like that. Uh, the benchmarking consortium that we belonged to included Microsoft, which of course is the antithesis of Sun. But they were cooperative, and we were cooperative, and that worked out really well. We have a problem, like Bob. We found that the Iranians don't want to share data. <laughs> Keith, let me let me add one more thought that that kind of helps in this in this um, aspect. When it is a competitor like uh, Nokia, okay, who is our fierce competitor in the cell phone business, um, because we're a combination of three you know significantly large businesses that all come together to make Motorola, sharing our real estate information as a whole with Nokia um, is a doable thing. 
sharing my real estate information in the cell phone business is a problem. Okay, they feel the same way. So, so there's a way around it that um, depends on the competitor. Yeah. Question. Yes, sir. We, great question, and we talk about it a lot with senior management all the time. And what that's about, and in the earlier years, 2000, 2001, where you actually saw our percent of sales take a little notch up, it's because sales from that year to year had actually dropped faster than we could get rid of real estate, okay? We talk about that with senior management, and, and, and what they're wanting to hear from us is, based on next year's sales forecast, what are you planning to do, up or down, to respond as fast as you can while still making good, good real estate decisions. So, but it's a great question. We don't, punchline is we don't take a hit if we, if we're smart about how we discuss that with senior management. Okay. More questions. Uh, one more question, you think? It, it, as I said, the example that I was talking about was where we had a very ambitious operating cost target, and it was zealously observed by the people in that operating community for us. We found that it was hurting. So I think that was an example. It is an innovation issue. It was a, it's a good judgment issue. But we were pushing our people too hard, and they were doing too well in achieving exactly what we asked them to achieve, but it wasn't really the outcome that we had in mind. Um, it hasn't really affected you know what we focus on a whole lot Brian I mean we where we struggle with with the things we track and trend and compare to other companies is just be by its nature real estate is not a you know move the needle in a quarter kind of a thing right yeah. yet a lot of times senior management is looking for just that so there's a little bit of a disconnect there that we always have to have some dialogue about and then I Brian I'd like to just say that at Sun I was there during the go-go run-up to the 2000 dot-bomb bit, and we had you know, a lot of innovation going on. Uh, when we had to get really tight on our portfolio and figure out how to get better at it, a lot of innovation then, too. You know, I mean, it really kind of drove us to think about ways to do things differently. So it, I, I don't know that we managed too tight, but I'd say that knowing our numbers and knowing the goals made us have to be smart about it, too. There was one more question here. Yeah, we um, Motorola is Six Sigma, so we I mean we use Six Sigma like concepts in everything we do, you know, in terms of process review.
review, process improvement, continuous improvement, those types of things. So uh, very tightly aligned to our entire real estate organization's efforts, you know, from top to bottom. Um, the other part of the question was, yeah, um, benchmarking for us is extremely important as we interface and set goals with senior management because we want to focus on the right things and to to have a way to reassure our senior management that we are focused on the right things and that we know uh, where we need to improve and where we don't is through benchmarking. It's kind of like our our uh, uh, reassurance to senior management that in this metric uh, we know we always have room for improvement, but we're you know we're near best in class, and you can't just say that. You have to show your senior leaders that you've checked around to say that you know you are near best in class, or where you have the the most opportunity for improvement because your metric or your information and that of the best in class is a significant gap, that's where you know you need to go. I'd like to thank our panel, Bob and Keith and David.